Paul, on this occasion, on this feast of tabernacles, there was an even more exciting event in Jerusalem. During this festival, Jesus was there. The last time Jesus visited Jerusalem, he healed a man on the Sabbath, which caused quite a commotion among the Pharisees and the authorities and the Jews. They accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath law. And as we saw last Sunday, at the beginning of chapter 7, the religious leaders were so angry that they wanted to kill Jesus. And as we move on to chapter 7, the first thing we find across is a common confusion among the different groups present at the Feast of Tabernacles. And their confusion was about the true identity of Jesus. As we read in verse 25 and 27, if we read it again, this is how we start our passage this morning. Some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they, saw, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? Verse 27, but we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. The citizens of Jerusalem were perplexed by Jesus. They wonder if he was the same person that the religious leaders were planning to kill. And this was a common, a common information, a popular information. Even when the leaders were trying to say, we don't want to kill Jesus, everybody knew that the leaders want to kill Jesus. So they were asking themselves, is this the man that these people want to kill? They were curious about why Jesus was speaking with such authority and openness. They were asking themselves, could it be that the authorities had recognized him as the Christ and given him the freedom to talk openly about his true identity on this feast? Could it be possible? Unfortunately, Unfortunately, that was not the case. Even if the Jewish leaders acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, the people of Jerusalem were unlikely to believe in him. They had already determined that Jesus did not fulfill the necessary criteria to be considered the true Messiah, the true Savior. Their conclusion was influenced by the humble lineage of Jesus as they knew he came from an ordinary family in Nazareth. So they saw him as a regular person with a common background and no formal education. 
And as a result, they concluded that he was not the long-awaited Messiah they had been hoping and waiting for. This kind of disbelief in Jesus due to his humble origin is not a new phenomenon. Still, in modern times, many people today struggle to believe in the divinity of Jesus because of their preconceived notion of what God should be like. God should be like the God that we want. It's not unusual to hear people say that although the tale of Jesus is motivational, a rational and intelligent person cannot accept the concept of the virgin birth or that he was the actual representation of God in human form. In addition... They might ridicule the concept that Jesus lived a completely sinless life, died to redeem their sins, was resurrected from the dead, and now sits as the ruler of all things. To such skeptics, the story of Jesus is nothing more than a captivating narrative that serves as a reminder of the triumph of good over evil or the strength of the human spirit in overcoming the established power and structures. That is what the, the story of Jesus wants to tell us. In their view, such claims of Jesus being God are fa fanciful and illogical. But just as in the past, it takes a miracle of faith to believe in Jesus and his claims to be God. Notice the response that Jesus gave them to these unbelief. If you go and read with me verses 28 and 29, it says, So Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, You know me. At least you know. You think that you know me. And you know where I come from. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. Oof. Tell that to a Jewish community, right? Verse 29, I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Simply put, Jesus said that, Accepting him just as a good servant of God or just as a prophet without recognizing his divine origin as the Son of God is an incomplete understanding of God. In order to truly know God, it is necessary 
to acknowledge that Jesus was sent by God as the only path for humanity to have a relationship with him. And this is the absolute truth of God, which cannot be ignored. And that was Jesus was telling them, God, he who sent me is true. That is the absolute truth. The people of Jerusalem claim to know God, to worship God, and to obey God. But at the same time, they reject Christ. Nowadays, we see him. We see the same problem. People can claim that our spiritual people, that our religious people, but when we come to the topic of Jesus, then there is a division. But Jesus was telling them, in order to be a spiritual person, you need to believe that I came from God and I came with a plan and I came to be the bridge and I am the door and I am the bread and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father if it's not through me. That is the absolute truth and so therefore according to jesus even though these people were celebrating the feast of tabernacles in the temple they did not truly know god and that was a bold declaration i'm sorry from jesus After hearing these provocative words, the crowd's reactions were divided. Some attempted to arrest Jesus and hand him over to the authorities, hoping they would carry out their plan to kill him. We will help you if that's what you want. People were saying, ah, I'm giving you a hand. Nevertheless, according to verse 31, it says, Many of the people believed in him. And when the chief priests and Pharisees saw this, they acted quickly and ordered the immediate arrest of Jesus. And when they found him, Jesus told them, Hold on, my friends, you do not have control over me you do not manage my agenda notice what he says in verse 33 and 34 I will be with you a little longer it not depends on you that I stay here I will be with you a little longer and then I'm going to him who sent me you will seek me and you will not find me where I am, you cannot come. 
Jesus, instead of running away or resisting, he continued explaining in detail his plan. He told them that he will soon be leaving and going back to the one who sent him. He also told them they wouldn't be able to find or reach him again, which left them a little bit confused. They, while they tried to understand what he meant, Jesus left quietly. Jesus was talking, of course, about his future death, resurrection, and ascension, but they weren't ready for that conversation there. And after this, Jesus moved on to the next part of his agenda. So imagine now being part of a massive crowd in Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, where people from all over Judea and Galilee come to watch a special ritual. Priests carry golden pitchers filled with water from the pools of Siloam and sing praises to God and they make their way towards the temple. And the people have branches and shout, God is our Savior. Let us draw water from the wells of salvation. That was in the last day, in the great day. That was the great moment of this celebration. And on the last day of the feast, the priest poured the water beside the altar. And when he had done this, he would raise his hand. And the whole congregation, thousands of people, will fall silent. And in this moment... Of silence, Jesus cried out, Hey, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you picture that? All people turning away from the priest, from the altar, from the sacrifice, and now they are paying attention to this man claiming that he is the living water. Jesus is saying that the ritual of Feast of Tabernacles is all about him. And he is the only one who can fill the God-shaped void in our hearts. The important thing to note here is that the rivers of living water don't come first from the heart of the believers, but from the heart of Christ. 
That's what Jesus refers then in verse 38 when it says, Now these he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus refers here to the Holy Spirit, pour, pour out after his death, resurrection, and ascension through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Those who are thirsty can receive the thirst-quenching spirit. Jesus Christ's offer of the water of life remains open and available, available to anyone who believes in him and wants to receive it. It is easy to become complacent with Christ's message, but the truth is still there for those who hear and believe. Only in Christ can we find true and abundant life. Only in Christ can we find true and abundant life. Seeking satisfaction from anything else will only increase our thirst and leave us feeling drained. By believing in Christ, we believe in God and find eternal life. And when Christ cried out to the people, he knew he had the power to offer them a new and overflowing spring of life, which would benefit not only themselves, but also others around them. And today, my dear brothers and sisters, Today, he still has that power to satisfy our souls and offer it to anyone. If we use a moment in our lives, a silent moment in our lives, we can still hear the words of Jesus telling us. If anyone thirst, if anyone thirst, if anyone thirst, come to me. As the passage ends, some people start to believe that Jesus might be the Messiah. However, Others are not convinced. The people are divided as the people are still now, these days, divided. It's ironic because everyone in this chapter 7 in the Gospel of John knows that the Messiah will come from David's line and be born in Bethlehem. Which is precisely what happened with Jesus. But the people failed to do their homework and to connect all these dots 
together that we're pointing to Jesus. And their ignorance led them to oppose him. My dear friends, it is logical to connect all the dots that connect to Jesus, even 2,000 years later. All points to him as the only way of our fulfilling life here in this earth. It's beautiful to notice at the end of this chapter that not all the Pharisees were against Jesus. There was this man named Nicodemus, the one who came to him at night asking, who are you? And he was telling, he was telling the members of, 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 the, of the ruling body in Jerusalem, it's not fair of convicting Jesus without hearing him out. It's not fair to put Jesus to death without hearing him out. And that is still the challenge today for all of us. It's not fair to disregard Jesus without Give him the opportunity to speak for himself to us. Jesus' invitation, if anyone thirsts, is still open for you and for me today. He offered himself as the living water that will satisfy the deepest longing of the human heart. Today, just in the past, many may struggle to believe in who Jesus is, but his offer still stands. Come, come, and drink. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you with hearts of, full of gratitude for the truth revealed to us in Jesus. Thank you for reminding us that only Jesus can quench the thirst that lies within the human soul. We pray for those among us who may still search for the living water that only Jesus can provide. We ask that by your sovereign power you would draw them to the well of your salvation and cause them to drink and live. We ask for your continued guidance as well and direction in our lives as we seek to follow Jesus and make him known to others. Please let the river flow through us to those who are in need of this water. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. And now, listen to the inviting words of the Lord to his children. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen also to the Apostle Paul. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Finally, hear the Apostle John. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment for our sins. With these words, we invite you to the Lord's table, which He has set for all of us, His children. So let us now reverently and joyfully take our places. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow our heads now because Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We bow in reverence, in respect, in awe, and in adoration for the person of Christ, the words of Christ, and today for the cross of Christ. Fill us now in afresh with your Holy Spirit so that our worship in this moment will bring True honor to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it and in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, you said... I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now as we eat this bread, help our souls to understand the symbol to the deepest reality. You bore our sins in your body. You became sin for us. You suffered death 
in your body and you were resurrected in your body. Bread of heaven, we feast in remembrance of your body given for us. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given for you, preserves your body and souls to everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. That's it. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ with was shed for you preserves your body and souls to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Let's drink. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and know that he is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's benefits. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this last song. <coughs> Take 
Sisters, rejoice. Aim to restoration. Come for one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
now and forevermore. Amen.